Thank you, Jumada, for saying yes. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Welcome to Beyond Four Walls. As usual, my name is Abel. I'm your host with Anthony. How are you doing today, Anthony? What's up? Good, brother. Good good to see you. We are excited to have Jumada here with us. Um, if people don't know, this is, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, but uh, give you a little snippet. This is Anthony's wife. Um, so she's been having inside scoop of our planning since the beginning. And um, not to put you on blast, but has been kind of excited about being on the podcast. So um, we are excited to have you, excited for the conversations you're going to bring. But um, tell us where you're at. I know you have like millions of things going on in your life. So I'll let you list all of those things um, <laughs> and tell the community. Yes. So like Abel said, my name is Jamara. I am Anthony's wife. And I, I have to be honest, I feel like I've made it. Mom, I made it. I'm in the podcast after all these months. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I'm really excited to be with you guys. Um, yeah. So where to begin? Um, I, um, I am currently right now in a stage of my life where I God has opened doors for me to write children's books. And so... That's what I've been doing since about October of last year. I've um, I've been publishing, um, self-publishing children's books. Um, I serve at my local church, uh, kids ministry. I do um, like Sunday school on, on Sundays. And then on Wednesdays, I teach the sixth grade girls. Um, I, I'm also involved in the translation ministry. So translating the service to Spanish, um, graphic design team as well. And then um, I have a full-time job um, where I, I'm, I'm a trainer, so for a financial technology company. And I have a wonderful husband, seven chickens, four tortoises, lots of fishies. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, yeah. Two definitely. dogs. How can you forget the dogs? Oh, man. You know... I could I can't forget forget them. Oh my goodness. On top of you know, Jimana, I'm glad uh, Anthony's here because he's gonna be fact checking you, making sure you're yes. saying it. <laughs> making sure <laughs> um, they, that 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 is true. Um so I kinda wanted to talk uh, one of the things I was excited to have you here is um I wanted to talk about this um and I've been part of this journey seeing who developed this um library of books that you're offering for children so i kind of wanted to dive a little more deeper I, I haven't heard this even personally myself what was the reason of actually getting into this like field of actually writing um kids books yes yeah, so um it all started uh september i think of last year i took this class it was an evangelism class because we're also doing our uh, bible institute through our church and I was taking this evangelism class and we had this project about sharing the gospel with someone. And I decided since I love uh, kids and I've been working with kids for many years, I thought, well, I just, I don't want to just share the gospel with an adult. I actually want to do it with a kid. And so um, I was going to share the gospel with a set of twins uh, that are actually my niece and nephew. And um, I think, I went on the computer and I was about to search for resources for sharing the gospel because I knew what I wanted to tell them. I just wanted to have visuals. Um, so I, I, I kind of wanted to have something that I could be like, okay, like here, like look at this picture, look at this. And then I thought to myself, well, why don't I just make something myself that I can use and it could be the way I like to share the gospel. It could have everything that I use when I share the gospel with, with 
with the child. And so that's what kind of began it all. I made like a rough draft and it was only supposed to be to share it with the kids. But then I started to think about it. And then I started to talk to your wife, um, who is my bestie. And, um, and yeah, and I, I just thought uh, through the encouragement of other people as well, maybe this is something that I could actually share with other children and it won't just bless the, the kids that I want to talk to at that time. It, it could bless so many other kids. And then I started feeling this burden for sharing the gospel with kids, but at a, at a global level. And it, it's, it was the way that I know that it, that it was something that God put in my heart is because it's honest, honestly something I hadn't thought about before. I started thinking I really would love to make resources for missionaries to be able to use because I thought, you know, we, we, we have so much for, for kids here in the U.S., but I, I wonder if there's missionaries that are actually needing resources. And, um, and, and I know from going on mission trips that sometimes, you know, you, you have people that volunteer to go on a mission trip. They don't necessarily know how to break down these concepts for little kids. And so if they have something that is already, already has what they can say, then it would make it so much easier for them. And so I decided to, to do it. I started doing research and I made it into a book and I published it. And then I, I haven't been able to stop ever since. <laughs> and you are on, cause you just released a new series uh, or a new book for teens, like more, more uh, geared to like mid uh, preteen teen age, correct? Yes. So I'm teaching sixth grade girls um, on Wednesdays, like I said. And so um, I had a really great conversation one of those Wednesdays where one of the girls said, the Bible is so big, so many different books. When I'm feeling a type of way, I don't know where to go. I have no idea where to even begin. And that was like, boom, like I just knew I had to create something. And that's where that uh, Bible nuggets for girls came about, where I list a lot of different feelings uh, or things that they might be experiencing, like peer pressure or bullying or stuff like that. And then a whole bunch of Bible verses to kind of point them in the right direction. And how do you obviously a lot of the the inspiration has come not only from your your your, your nieces and nephews, I mean nieces, but also the conversation with the girl. Um, is there something else that, I mean, obviously prayer, we uh, we hope and we, we believe is driving this, but where do these topics or like, where do you decide these are the books I'm, and themes I'm gonna be bringing about? It just comes to me. And I, I feel like that's kind of been the way that just, I don't know, the way that God deals with me. I don't, even when back in the days where I was a worship leader and or or when I, what, or when I would have to encourage someone or, or do it, like, I don't know. It's just, I can't explain it. It's just like, I see it in my mind. Um, even the concept for the next, so I'm working on a book right now. And I, I got in a dream, the concept for the next book that I, like, I'm already thinking about the other one. And it was through a dream that I had. So I don't know. It just feels like it's like a little download from heaven. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I see it. I, it's, I can't explain it. I just see it. And I know the, this is what I have to do. The fact checkers say that's correct. <laughs> there, you, there you go, Anthony. One of the things that I do find interesting, um, being part of a leadership with a, a, for a church, um, 
that had kid ministry and you know had a lot of things going for kids and obviously writing books and being part of the kids. One of my personal concerns is that balance of simplifying it for the kid, entertaining it for the kid, drawing the kid, but also watering it down too much where you miss the, the, the weight of the gospel and all these other things that are important for kids to understand as well. The holiness, the, the seriousness of the decision, the, the demand or the call to actually give your life and it's not just fun, fun, fun always. Um, how do you balance that when it comes when you create a book of, of drawing the entertainment, giving that to a kid to have draw to want to open the book, but also not watering it down too much uh, where they're missing out the true essence of what you're trying to bring? Yeah, I think that we underestimate kids. I think they understand a lot more than we give them credit for. And so I think that um, I think that definitely there has to be a balance. Um, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in not being scared of introducing difficult concepts. You just have to have the right, you just have to have enough uh, nuance, enough um, maybe examples or definitions, and I, and I think they can get it. And so um, I think there is a danger in trying to um, water it down too much or maybe use too many examples. Like I remember, um, very early when I was I was still in Puerto Rico, and they were um, they were giving this example uh, or this story of the laborers um, that um, that he gave. Now I'm uh, like drawing a blank here. That he gave um, he gave them a reward for their work, and it was like different for each one. Anyways, the three the talents the three the talents yes yes. And I remember for the longest time, I thought that story was about pizza. I, because when it was presented to me in kids, um, kids service, she did it with pizza. Like these people got these slices of pizza, these people, like I, I never, and probably at the end, she might've made the connection of what the story was about. But the only thing that I remembered was pizza. And that's kind of always st stayed with me and just being, um, I mean, I'm not saying that that was necessarily wrong or whatever. I'm just saying that, you know, just being careful with not trying to simplify it too much to where you bring confusion. Um, so what I try to do to avoid that is just, um, you know, introduce the concepts and make sure that I'm giving definitions um, so that they understand. I, I think they that kids are able to to understand. And even if something is in the book, um, I've used your daughter as an example because my book is way over. I mean, it's for kids that already read. But, you know, I, even when I was with her a few months ago, you know, you you read it and then you kind of explain it and break it down and, and she can understand it. And so yeah. um, I think we just we don't give kids enough credit. Well, my daughter's a genius. So no. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. And how do you feel about it? To push back a little bit, I don't. I don't think I really agree with the, uh, with that term watering down. Um, because, and the reason because, <clears throat> I mean, what does that even mean, you know? Because as long as it's important to remember that, yes, we have to use concepts for people to understand. Not only children, adults. Jesus, when we read the Gospels, he always, you have to know your audience, so. 
depending on who your audience is, is that's the examples you use. But the most important part is that you round it out, bring it back and have a less and, and, you know, explain what it is that you're trying to say. But if you just use an example and don't round it out and bring it to the essence, then it doesn't matter whether we're, we're children or adults. We're not, so, we're what, not gonna so what I mean by wa- watering it down yeah. um, is we similar to what the example Jimada brought is that we use other one one category where i would say water now specifically when we talk about kids in particular is that we start using so much other examples that like similar to what says they remember the examples more than the lesson because your focus is so much on the entertainment value of drawing their attention to make sure they keep it that they lose the idea of like oh i had fun or you, you know do it as activity in kids service and then they just remember the activity but they don't remember the meaning of the activity so i think and that's in one section. And the other side, what I mean by that is you you give such a high view of what, like, for example, God is love. You know, that's like the first thing you will teach a kid is like God's love. But you give such a high, a high view of what God's love is, especially with kids being taught in school, different meanings of what love is. Because you gave such a high view and didn't specify what God's love really is, they assume what they're taught in school that is, we would say is wrong love is correct because we get it's encompassing of a general idea of love so not being specific of what the the roots of what we're speaking about is they could they could quickly assume other things out of that lesson and in addition they could not even remember the lesson if you're too just entertainment value so that's what i kind of mean by watering down specifically for kids yeah but you 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 specifically said other examples so what examples are other what do you mean? Because that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what example you use. If you don't if you don't put the essence in there of what you're saying, then it doesn't matter whether we're children or or adults, we're gonna get lost in the story. So the point is that it doesn't matter what example you use. It just matters that there is a lesson in there that you're that you're driving home. Yeah, Jesus but I... used Jesus used fishermen. Uh, every example you can use, he used, but. He kept the he kept the underlying thing in there. So Go ahead, Jimara. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what example you're using, as long as it's relevant to what you're teaching. As long as you have the teaching in there, it doesn't matter the example. That's yeah, all. We're agreeing pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with. I use examples all the time, and you know, Jesus is the master teacher. We, we took a class, and we it talked about that. You know, we 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 do our teaching from learning how to teach from what Jesus taught us, right? Jesus was a master teacher. He used parables. So I think examples are very powerful and very important when we talk to kids. It's that danger of, you know, not bringing, because you you, it, it, you have to stay in with the biblical soundness and you need to make sure that, you know, the essence is still there. And yes, we use examples, but we can't forget, you know, the Bible verses that we should also be introducing and the you know the the concepts that should still be there and not make it a, about just a story you know a story that we heard if that makes sense like the pizza thing it's yeah so so I'll, I'll give a more like practical example um we talk about a lot of times uh churches have done this uh superhero they you know they do the superhero method of like marvel or something like that and you know they'll do a costume party whatever it may be and they'll have fun, you know, the theme is God is our superhero. But if 
if we if they could i mean there's a fine line even in adults you could do this in preachings where you bring a prop to for a preaching and then you focus too much on a prop people walk remembering that experience but they don't remember the true essence of why you brought that prop so that's what i mean there's a fine line even though you if you because you could have brought the principle to the end, even though you had that superhero party. But if it's too brief or if it wasn't the essence of why the party was done, but the party's the essence and the, the appetizer or the ending dessert is quickly just the teaching, then that's why I say it's the danger of watering it down because you're it's more entertainment and very, very, very minimal essence of teaching. And what I mean... And what I mean by the overall thought of like, if you're not too specific and you're just giving a general theme that God is love, what I really mean by that is like, when they go to school, they're gonna say, "Loving girls" or at "Love is for everyone." And you go if you specify in in that sense of things, where if you're just too general, there's a danger. Especially you, you know, kids are we would say a little different when it comes to understanding because they're learning everything. Where we're adults and we we're expected to have some sort of understanding of things. Where there's a danger if you're just God is love and that's, you don't specify what the Bible means by God's love, then you have that danger of them falling trap because they're brand new, falling trap of someone else, kind of rewording that and tricking them and manipulating them to believe something else. So that's that's what I, that's what I mean more particularly. Exactly. That that was my point. My point was that the watering down is not the the event or the example we're using. The watering down is not expounding on the teaching itself Correct. if you use this giant whatever it is and then you you say god is love and that's it like you're saying so the watering down is the teaching don't water down the teaching not the example part I, the example, yeah. you need an example. Yeah. I actually went to this was i'm not gonna specify but I, I was in a service for kids and there was this man and he was dressed like an old man and you know it was supposed to be funny and um, the whole time he's he's doing noises and he's doing sounds and doing things. And the whole time it was all about just making the kids laugh. And when, when the service ended, I sat in my car and I thought, if I was a parent tonight and I asked my kid what they learned, I don't think the kid could say anything but the old man was funny. And, you know, that was so concerning to me because it's like what Abel was saying, you know, we... If there's a danger in focusing so much on the entertainment part of it and making sure the kids are having such a wonderful time and laughing that we don't actually teach them anything. Yeah, definitely. And and it's it's important, especially as um, we have this challenge and attack on our kids, that there is resources out there for parents to be able to provide um, to their kids. Um, I... Um, even in on in a, my personal sense, like I, I we try to find books in Spanish that have some sort of resources um, biblically, and there's very minimal, or um, that would that we would want to bring uh, to to Zane. So I think it's it's important, like you said, uh, to be able to to have that that foundation. But it's the resources. One thing that you said was they could take more than what the than what we expect. But it's also very dependent on the parents that they have. Absolutely. So when it comes to um, the books that you offer, obviously, you, like you said, like Zane, it's a higher level where she is, she's read. Where would you say, how do your books depend on kids? Because I know you also brought a workbook as well. So how do you balance and what is your, what do you, what do you expect the relationship with kid and, and parent to be? What would you say is there? Well, well I would say ideally, what I, what I would love is for these books, it's not just 
give give the kid a book and like go sit on the table and do it. Um, my my desire and the way that I wrote them, I would love for the parent to actually be there with the kid, you know, answering questions. You know, if there's if there's a word or a concept that comes up, especially in the gospel one um, that talks about animal sacrifices. And even though I break it down, you know, it could there could be questions that come up. So, um, you know, the parent definitely being there and and going through these uh, these stories and these workbooks with the kid, um, because I really think that I, I really believe that um, the children should be hearing the gospel and should be learning from God from their parents. Like that's where they should be getting it and everything else should be supplemental. Um, but I, I really think it is the parent's responsibility. So um, so that's the way I, I do my books. Of course, you know, if the kid knows how to read, they can read the story and they can do the workbooks on their own. Um, but I kind of always envision it as, you know, the parent sitting down and, and doing it with them. Now, how do you balance, let's say, you like I have a kid that I know goes to church, kids church, but their parents don't go to church. Yes. Where would you where would be that balancing act where your book would wouldn't be taught by the kid? Do you think your do you believe that your book is also created for those for parents that wouldn't care for wouldn't care to teach their kid about I, the I've gospel? actually had people reach out to me and tell me that they don't know anything about the Bible and the book has helped them understand the gospel and 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 they've been it be, because it's written in such a simple language for kids um it's and, and you know it, it's stuff that sometimes honestly we just need to go back to the basics i feel like i grew up in, in church all my life and it and i honestly think that it wasn't until maybe like five years ago that i honestly understood the gospel because you know you always hear god died for you like i I didn't understand what that meant until five years ago. And that's to me is very concerning because I lived, grew up in church all my life. And like I said, I knew, I know the story of Jesus. I've been through, you know, dozens of Easter services, but I, it, it never, it didn't click until I would say maybe a little bit more, maybe like, I would say maybe like eight years ago, but, um, we'll, we'll say a longer time since, uh, to make it look better. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, trust me, I do not care about that. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, so I think that, uh, um, like I said, I've received messages from people that, that you know, that don't don't go to church. But I think even with parents that wouldn't even care to look, because I, like I said, I've had parents that have told me, like, I don't know anything about God, I don't know anything about the Bible, and I could recognize, like, this, this, was, this is great, like, this taught me a lot. But even parents that might not even care, the book is simple enough that that absolutely the kid the kid would be able to understand. Now, yeah, it's one of the things that um, we have in this new age is the, the digital platform. Everyone reads things on their phone, on a tablet. What was the reason of doing a printable book, a hand touched book, versus just doing it on you know sending it and they could just read it on their phone or their tablet? Why why the physical? <laughs> I because I I personally prefer. Um, the printed and I'm not uh, this I know you agree with me I'm not a huge fan of the electronics for kids so okay. that I wouldn't really I, I'm not I'm not opposed to creating an ebook or something I actually did start so 
I made I made a, a workbook. I haven't published it. I made it a while ago, and and it, it is digital with tabs and everything like that a kid could do on an iPad. But I I never released it. I'm not I'm not saying I would never publish anything electronically. I just it hasn't come up. Now, if we were to transition to this adult, and I'll kind of go to you to Anthony on this. Do you think there's a difference between the reading the Bible digitally and reading it physically? Or do you think uh, that's just more of a preference thing? His face. <laughs> no, that's just, that's just preference, man. It's like, yeah, you know, there's a difference of having something physical that you can highlight. And, you know, the the nostalgia of searching, you know, it gives you more of that I'm searching for something feeling. But at the end of the day, the work, the word is not letters on a page. It's it's more than it's more than the what we call the Bible. The word of God is not just the Bible. Now, would you would you extend that to audio listeners strictly? They have the ability to read, but they are choosing to only audio listen. I would say audio is like. It's like enough, but because, you know, the more senses you use to, to do anything in life, the more your brain is going to be receptive to it. So just listening to something, you're only using one sense of your body. So, okay, it's there. But when you're listening and seeing it with your eyes and, you know, it's going to give you a lot more different, it's going to impact you more when you actually looking at letters and hearing them, whether audibly or in your mind, repeating it to yourself as you're reading. So how do you, how do you feel about that? Diamara? Yeah, I think this is a, this is a place where we can become self-righteous and we can become legalistic. I don't, I don't think that there is a right way as long as you're consuming the word of God. I think that's the most important thing. I think the danger would be in, in trying to find, Putting too much emphasis on just inconvenience and comfort, um, I think that would be the danger. But I would never. Um, I think it would be self righteous to be like, oh, you know, I read the print, so I'm holier than you. You know. Yeah, so, I I think sim similar to what you um, some what you said, Yamada. I think it's the danger when you don't give the reverence to the Bible that you should, or the the dedicated time where you're mixing things, trying to multitask. A lot of times you listen to books, you're listening to podcasts on the go which you're like not given that full commitment that I think reading the Bible and that's not the act of reading the Bible, but it's the act of going into your secret place, going into that area where it's like you and God, you're undistracted on and completely focused on that. So I think if audio is your way <clears throat> in that sense of things, I mean, and there, there's many reasons why you would do that. Some people could be blind. There's many reasons why yeah. someone. So, and like Anthony said, the power, it's not on the prince. I mean, someone preaching the word is just as or reading the word uh, to you you listening into it you reading yourself you touching it there's 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 the power is in the god not in the actual book it's in it, it, itself and we got to remember the bible says faith come by heareth heareth what the word of god how could how could it be you know it says a preacher is sent so just you reading the bible isn't gonna take you to the level that you want to be there's more what i'm trying to say is that the power of god 
is felt more by somebody anointed speaking it than you just reading it as it was a textbook. And we see that throughout the history of the Bible. The Bible is only compiled a few, maybe, not even 2,000 years ago. So it's been more of an oral tradition. And it's, if we look at history, then it was printed. So, you know, is a pre is a sent preach word that creates faith. It's not just you reading it to yourself. And I think it's important to reflect on the last uh, podcast we had where we um, I was asking about uh, should our messages be for everyone. And one of the things we discussed was that there's a longevity and a building blocks over time where there's a mixture of preachings, there's a mixture of reading, there's a mixture of prayer, there's a mixture uh-huh. of small small uh, small groups studying it among uh, larger groups. Uh, and so there's there's a mixture of that which allows you to encompass a full scope of what the Bible means by teachers that are, are more advanced and more mature in understanding the historical pre- uh, perspectives and also to your individual self just reading the Bible to have that desire of love to give, that, uh, give, to, the, give to the Lord. So I think... It's cool that you're doing physical, though, because it, it breaks that mold, um, especially where um, you're trying to desensitize the, the continuous idea of iPads, which is uh, obviously a danger now with, with kids. So um, having that bringing back to it, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, we give all, uh, a lot of our books physically to, to Zane because it, uh, it avoids that, uh, that risk that you're – that they could fall into more temptation of staying on the iPad. So, so I think that's cool. One of the things that I kind of wanted to dive into. So I was, as I was preparing for this, I sent you guys a link of an article, um, which was talking about, uh, should kids, uh, be taken away from the service, um, for kids church within the service. Um, and in addition, uh, similar to our, my, my concern of watering down the message as we spoke about, one of the things, one of my concerns about having kid service is you sensitize, uh, like you, you make it normal or normality of what type of service they're expecting when they go to church. And it, a lot of times doesn't have the similar weight, reverence and holiness or not holiness, similar weight and reverence that you would, you would have in a typical environment in church. So I kind of wanted to see what you thought about your views of taking kids away during uh, Sunday service to have their own service and their own t- uh, format uh, form- format. I don't have an opinion on this yet. I'm still wrestling with this one. Um, so I want to start with that because I don't, I, I can't, I can't say I'm for one or the other yet. Um, I, for most of my life, I was in a church that did, they didn't have kids church. So that was not even an option. And I saw, I saw the negatives, like I saw the cons to that. And so now we're in a church where they have this amazing, huge kids ministry. Um, uh, And then I also saw that, right. But when I was back in that church, all I could focus on is like, oh my gosh, like we need kids church. These are the reasons why, but now I'm on the other side on the other spectrum and I'm like, okay, I kind of understand the concerns because I've seen some, some pros and some cons. So I'm kind of like in that space where I'm, um, I'm, I'm still wrestling with what is the right way 
I don't know that I know what that looks like yet. Um, I definitely see where there is a danger. Like I've seen kids that they, they go into sixth, like they're moving on to sixth grade, which is when they would go to youth ministry. Um, and they just don't want to do it. They don't want to go to youth ministry. They don't want to go to big church. Um, so they just, they want to just stay on as volunteers and help with the kids ministry because they just want to stay there. And so I get that part of concern where we're not, where maybe, um, children are so used to this environment where it's, you know, very engaging and like lots of jumping and, and these, um, uh, stories that we're giving them and all this stuff, which I don't think it's bad, but at the same time, I see how that could turn into, um, kids just not ever wanting to go to big church. And I know that there are statistics out there that, that say a lot of kids end up not even going to church because they don't ever want to, you know, go to regular church service. So I understand that part of it, but I also being on the other spectrum of never having kids church and seeing how complex a message can be and how extensive it can be and just leaving a service and wondering, I wonder what, like, I wonder if the kids learned anything today. Um, so it's, it's tough. So I want to piggyback on that and Anthony, I'll I'll open it for you. It was one of the things that I thought the article was great. Um, we haven't got to the point with that with Zane, um, due to her age, but was that is also on the duty of the parents to continue the deepening understanding of what the message was brought, which I thought was, was, was true as similar to what your book is. Huh? That's in a perfect world. I, one of the things I always, when I, when I said when I was in church leadership is we shouldn't, re- we shouldn't reward or cater to bad parenting. Okay. Uh, we, it's not our responsibility to water down something or in my sense, water down something or to placate to bad parenting. If, if a parent is bad, we shouldn't, we shouldn't work around that. We should teach the parents to become a better parent than to probably uh, create a opportunity or a danger of of not really discipling the kid properly because we're not this because the parent isn't doing their part at home. So that's that's where it is sense where like you said a perfect world the parent should sit down to the kid. Hey, what did you think? You have any questions or what stood out for you? You know, like really what uh, really kind of like talk to them like you like you would in kids church. Um, I don't think we should be like, oh, we shouldn't do it because parents don't do it. Or what we should say is, hey, let's let's do courses for parents to really understand how they should really enhance the experience of Sunday service. So that's why that's why I would look at that part of things. I, I, Anthony, I, what do you? Oh, go ahead, Giamatta. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And if it was me, right? If I was a parent, and and I, you know, I I wouldn't, I would not want my kid to be, you know, like I said, everything that they would be learning at church would be supplemental because I'm, I'm teaching them, you know, the, the word of God, I'm teaching them. We're coming out of a service. And just like you said, with the article, you know, we're talking about, okay, well, you know, the, this is what the pastor said, you know, breaking it down. Was there something you didn't understand? Um, so definitely, but it's, it's not, it's something I, I think we need to, it's less about, kids ministry and kids church. And it's more about, we have a bigger problem, which is we're not equipping parents on how to effectively Definitely. raise children and disciple them. I, I think that idea of discipling your children, 
that's not something that's in the forefront of parents. They're just thinking like, oh, I'm I, all I have to do is take them to Sunday school and they'll learn about God. They're not thinking, no, this is actually part of stewarding what God gave me, which is my children. Hmm. Anthony, what do you what do you, what would you say on that? So, I was I've been wanting to say this for since we started, but now was the perfect time. And I'm gonna read some Bible verses I pulled up. Um, but to go off what you said, yes, to 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 back up what Jimara said, in a perfect world, you know, the parents will, will be there, do everything. But just because just because we do equip the parents doesn't mean they're gonna be receptive and then they're, they're gonna put it into practice. So we have to remember that part. Like, yeah, yeah we we can tell the parents how to live a perfect life and have a perfect job, but they still need to put it to practice. So, you know, we can't go to the house and do it for them. So at the end of the day, we still need to keep these ministries and stuff up. So any of the kids that fall through the cracks that aren't, you know, there, then we ha the church has to have something. Because if not, it's going to happen like what happened to, to the disciples. They were too busy on, on the big stuff and they were forgetting about the widows and the kids and, Then people came up to, hey, the widows are out here with nothing. What's going on? So then they had to create other positions within within the thing for for other people to take care of it because they were overlooking it. But what I wanted to read was in Matthew 13, 10 through 12. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And then Jesus replies, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. They will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So we have to remember, and this goes back to the whole children part. Like, first of all, we have to know our audience. We'll level everybody's at. They're going to be receptive to different things. They'll pick up on different things. So the the extremes are... are You know, extremes are always bad. Watering it down too much could be bad. And then too, not watering it enough for people to understand it is just as bad. But then it's just, they're not yeah, going to be able going, to understand it's going, over, it's going over their head. Exactly. And that's, that's the benefit of the kids' church. It's like a lot of pastors already water it down for the general, you know, for the general public. And then they, they're going to have to water it even more if, You know, there's no option for the kids to, to have something to supplement them. So we have to understand there's levels, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You know, not every, it goes for adults as well. There'll, there'll be stuff that they don't understand that they have to themselves either get in get in communion, in, in communion with somebody or search for it themselves. The Bible says that that God has mysteries. He seals things and kings search it out. So a king is, you know, mature, high up. So we have to, we have to, we have to search the mysteries of God. So it's not, it's not just going to be, you know, truth, truth, truth is not, is not easily attained. We have to go and seek it. Yeah. So my, my only concern on that is we're com we're making a compounding of like we're retroactively trying to fix a problem and. So we're quickly uh, like well, what I mean by that is, okay, parents aren't really doing a great job. So let's do kids church to try to retroactively fix the errors of a lot of 
parents aren't doing what they should be doing with discipling their kids. But what in turn is going to happen is these kids are going to rope, like Jamada said, a lot of them end up not moving to, to what we say big church because they've, the experience they have is it's, it's drawing so much like drawing them so much that why move here if I'm getting what I want here. And I think it's twofold. One, similar to what you said, Jimada, our kids retain a lot more than what we expect. And I mean, I think a perfect example, I mean, a lot of people use Jeremiah for many things, but I think Jeremiah is a prime example of that. The Lord works very sooner than what we think. And, and our, our, Cultural maturity is is in America in particular. I think it's very different than you would say cultural maturity in other in other in other cultures. Where in other cultures you see kids much younger take on much more responsibility, and I think because of American culture, we we placate our kids much much more and let them kind of like live a innocent life much longer, which is great in many ways, but also. We, we could realize that kids could receive a lot more and understand a lot more if from be day one we give them that like development here here's that here's that now there's always exceptions to the rule and we should always have a safety net as a as a, as a community of the body of Christ to when people fall the gaps or when there's exceptions to the rules where this is what we generally would say and there's like you said there's parents that aren't 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 christians but the kids consistently go to go to church because the grandma takes them or someone else takes them and there's there's no control over that so i think there's always exceptions to the rules but similar to how we would say in in law like we don't make law for exceptions of the rules yeah. we make laws for the general public and i think similar the church should try to manage that as well yeah i i honestly where i'm at right now is i think that I, I don't think that we should abolish it. I don't think that it should, you know. It's I don't think it's wrong. I don't, I'm not saying it. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong. I think the parents should make the decision. There's some parents that they just, they don't really, you know, they, they probably wouldn't care. And they just, uh, another reason why, you know, in my previous church, it, it wasn't, you know, they didn't want it to seem like as a, as a, um, daycare or stuff like that. And there's parents that they, they need a break and you know, that's how they see it. And, so if, if that's the type of parent that, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. And if you want to have your kids in service with you, I personally, um, I, I love the idea of having the kids with the parents during worship. I think it's beautiful when the kid can learn how to worship God from their parents, um, from the community, from the, you know, I, I think it's, it's beautiful when we come together and worship and, um, you know, a little preview of heaven, right? And so... I, I really, I really believe in, in kids being um, with in in church with the parents during worship. So maybe you know I know there's churches that they do the worship together and then the kids move. So I, I honestly just think that every parent should make that decision. I don't think this is one of those issues where it's like you yeah, know, it's not a black and white thing. Exactly. I, I, and I think one of the things that you said, I think it also draws back to the church really investing in discipleship across the board and also in our culture we're very uh it's my house my problems yeah and in christianity it's really like that where it's not just you the you the parent but it's a community that raises the kid where like your marriage isn't just your marriage but the community is involved where the pastor helps you when you're going through problems 
And I think one of the struggles is that uh, we grow up in an American culture where, like, my problems are my problems. It's none of your business what I do with my kid. It's none of your business how my marriage is. It's none of your business how I manage my finances. And we don't give that. One, the church, in a sense, nowadays, it could, for whatever reason, doesn't have that true investment. Many churches, not all churches, many churches probably, or some churches don't have that investment. But in addition to that, the community, most of the time, a lot of times as well, grow up in that culture where it's my house, my problems, everything's mine, which also doesn't allow the church to do that discipleship that they could be doing. So I think it's a, a nuanced problem in multiple levels. And, and we have to remember, too, um, uh, kids with disabilities, right? Kids that just, they can't be in big church. It's too much yeah. stimulation and all. And actually, my church, I love that they have, they actually have a chapel um, where they do, um, you know, because the church is, is so huge. They have a, a chapel and they have the, the lights very low um, in brightness. And they have the, the service in a screen. And all parents that have kids with disabilities, they can actually go into the chapel and together as, you know, they, they can enjoy the service. And um, I love that. I love that they, that they have that because, I mean, it's, it's true. It, it might, there might be kids with autism or something else where it's, it's, it's too much stimulation with the sound and all that stuff. So having an alternative is also, I think, very important. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a nuanced situation, and and it's uh, that's why it's tough to be a pastor because there's a lot of these decisions you got to make that it's that it's 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 tough. Um, there's pros and cons in, in both directions. Yeah, but I would say from my experience, I would say it's more of a benefit than it's not. The amount of people that I've seen grow up in church and like that have left once they gotten into their later teen years because you know there was nothing to do at yeah. the church they were never involved that was no fun it's way more than the people who would say oh i just want to stay in the kitchen so yeah it's it's and, it's because i mean also yeah. at, at the end of the day if the church is doing it you know if we do what we do for god god's gonna you know god's gonna make it for good so at the end of the day you know, it's not yeah. it's not something bad. They're not teaching you know worldly concepts or anything. So it comes yeah. it, it goes back to what you said, which is equip, if we equip our our leaders, our volunteers, our our servants to to be better, to make sure they're teaching right, to make sure they're and we have our leadership you know grow in that manner, then it would just trickle down. And... Yeah, yeah. And there's there's another part of this. Um, conversation that we haven't touched yet, which I think also is important that balance when you're serving. Because I know I found myself for a couple months where I wasn't able to sit in a service because I was just serving the whole time. And so that's another part of the conversation where we have all these ministries and all these things that need to be run on a Sunday morning, but then we also need the people to actually be in service and enjoy the service too. So it's it, it there's so many different angles to this. Yeah, I mean, that's um, like again, when you when there's every problem has a compounding effect. Where like if you look at one problem, it's not like okay, this is the only like there's like this and then there's that and then there's this, and like like you said, it's especially with serving, especially in in leadership, that is a danger where you see that many times where even pastors get burned out because you know. Many times you, you see this, especially with pastors, where they, they're on 24-7. They don't have that rest sabbatical. 
And you're seeing more pastors nowadays taking that sabbatical, taking that time away to have that, that refreshing. It's nice right now, um, as um, I spoke about, I just we just moved to the Charlotte area. And um, we, I, you know, was I was part of the translation. The seminary was translating. I was a piano player. I, uh, we, I helped in Bible study teaching. Like I was part of all that stuff, and really never had that time to kind of sit down many times. And like to be at a service where like I literally have no responsibilities. Like going in, I get this. It's so great. Like I get to like just enjoy worship. I get, and it really, really brings you back to that. L- that love and not just do it for responsibility, which as many times as leaders, you end up going to church because oh, it's my responsibility. I need to go. I need to do this. And you lose that driving force that it's love that that brings that over to you. So um, that is definitely something that is is important. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the mm-hmm. only thing I would push back on would be that, you know, Christianity was never about burnt being burnt out and needing a break you know the earlier church <laughs> this concept that we think of that the church the services that we have now is what they were doing back then that's you know i don't believe that's what it was they were constantly working they were traveling they were doing this so you know we've just been accustomed to the 21st century and the all the pleasures that we have and that we have the ability that we live in this country, you know, that we're not persecuted. So it, it's all circumstantial. Um, yeah. I'm sure third world countries, there's no such thing as burnout. It's like, <laughs> this is all we can do. You know, we have to, we have yeah. to, you know, it doesn't exist. And it, but even, even in, um, I think you would, you would see this across, across the board in the, the bigger the call, the, the bigger the demand mm-hmm. where like, Obviously, if you're if you're called to be a pastor, you're naturally going to be sacrificing things that someone that's just called to like, that just cleans the house and just has a, you know, everyday life, you would say, as a Christian. So I think even in in American culture. Part of the cost of being called to this and part of the blessing, it's, you know, blessing and, and, and a calling. They're giving their life to deci- like the disciples of, um, you know, Paul and these people gave their lives to the calling. But not everyone's going to be Paul. Not everyone's going to be Peter. Not everyone's going to be that. Some people are just going to be the widows and the orphans that they they helped. Or they're going to be just the people that disperse the food. And not everyone's going to be that. But I would say, I mean, if you could even look at Moses, when when Moses was working, there was a a, a warning that you're taking too much on and you're going to end up being a more, uh, you're going to end up not doing what you're really meant to do. So I, I think there is some sort of sense where, there is points where God does call us to rest, um, but there are points where God, I mean, if you look at it, Jeremiah didn't live that great of a life. He was always being persecuted. He was always mm-hmm. talking to people that never wanted to listen to him. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say those are the specially called and not the normality of what we would say Christian life would be. Um, I don't think everyone's going to be Jeremiah, Paul, or, or, or Moses. I think those are the, the selected few. Yeah, and, and I, I think I, I was more talking about, because... I think it. I think it is important to at least sit in one service as a family. Um, for me, that for me, that's very important. And so, I, there's a difference between, you know, oh, I don't want to do anything because I don't want to be inconvenienced, or I don't want to um, pasar trabajo. How do you say that in English? I don't want to pass. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't. Yeah. You don't want to work. Yeah, I don't want to work. To you know, I 
I'll work the all the all the other services if I have to. I just want to make you know prioritizing at least one service being with your family. So I, I think there's a difference between that. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 examples in both ways. I mean, Jesus went to a wedding and hung out, and through that, he also did work. But um, it's it's a mixture uh, of things. I mean, the disciples broke bread. You know, they sat down and ate dinner together. So there are moments of of intimacy brought in in the Bible. I think it's is a balance, and like you said, Anthony, it's culturally based. Like different cultures are gonna are gonna drive different things. Where if you're in a persecuted culture, obviously you're not. You don't have the luxury. Be like, oh, just sit down and relax. Like you don't have that luxury because there's so much other things that you're dependent on. So I mean, there's differences in in that uh, sense of things. And I think one of the things that's unique about the gospel, about the Bible, and everything like that, is that it's fluid to be addressed to different people. And I think that's that's the beauty about it is that. In America, it's presented in a different way to make sure we find love in a certain way and find God in a certain way. In Africa, in Europe, and all in all these, it's able to adapt to culture because it's not bounded by culture. It's not bounded by time, and it's not binded by by our thoughts and our our laws. It's it's presenting something that's universal that we all need. So I think that is one of the beauties of, of the gospel is that it's not black and it's not black and white because it gives that flexibility for us to live a life that's for Him in different ways. Yeah. And also, we have to remember, you know, some people are just prideful, and they think they can do everything the best, so they want to do everything, and they end up this whole burnout thing that we're talking about. So it's it's a lot of the time it's not it's you know God didn't call them to do all these things; they just want to do it because they think their way is the best. Yeah, about yeah, balance. Yeah. Definitely, definitely true. Now, I kind of want to shift gears. And you've been working with Kids Yamada for, for a long time. Um, um, and you still haven't, um, not to bring out your personal visit, but you still haven't been blessed to have a, your, your own little one. Yeah. Um, and obviously knowing you for, for many years at this point, um, you've been prayed for, you've been, you've been talked to by people that, you know, to play, uh, pray for your room and things like that. So how do you deal with, you know, working for kids, giving all this to kids, being prayed for and being told, you know, you're being blessed and you're gonna have all this from the Lord, and not that answer being prayed, uh, answer, uh, that prayer being answered. How do you kind of deal with that personally? I think that um, first and foremost is just understanding God's sovereignty and that God doesn't owe me anything. Um, I think that I think that was a turning point for me, from where I was, you know, crying at night. And, and, and just, you know, stressing so much about it when I actually was like, wait a second, God, you don't owe me anything. And if you never give me anything that I ever ask ever again, that's okay. You, you already gave me your son. You gave me your forgive. Like that's enough. I think getting to that place, um, was kind of the turning point for me. And, um, what, what got you there? You would say. Um, I think that just as I, as I, I feel like I've experienced a, a growth in my faith in the past few three, two, three, three years. I've experienced, you know, I've, I've been feeling a little bit more stretched in my faith and I feel like, okay, I think with maturity comes that, you know, when you're able to kind of rest in knowing that God is sovereign and, doesn't matter what happens in your life or what doesn't happen in your life. Um, 
God is sovereign. God is, is, is allowing for these things to happen. God is, you know, uh, uh, molding us and, and, and maturing us throughout the way. So kind of just as I matured in my faith and just started just being like, okay, like I actually, and I actually read a book, it's called dangerous prayers. And, um, and that was the, that was the turning point as far as like, not crying about, about it at night or stressing about it. Cause I, I used to fall asleep. I, I would wait until Anthony fell, fell asleep to, to cry. Cause I didn't want to see, see, I didn't want him to see me cry. Um, but the book book said, you know, close your eyes and think about what is that thing that's keeping you up at night and the thing that you're thinking about when you should be sleeping, what is keeping you up? And that is the area where you're not trusting God enough. And that was kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, God, <laughs> because um, that was kind of like a turning point for me. Like, oh, you know, like you, if you want this to happen, you'll make it happen. And if you don't, that's, it's okay. Like it's, you don't, you don't, yeah. you don't owe me anything. And so um, that's helped me a lot. And, and kind of also focusing on everything that God has allowed me to have in, in my life, the kids that God has surrounded me, my nieces and nephews that I forced myself, I forced my, my title on them as their aunt, even though not by blood, but all the kids that I, because I don't have kids of my own, I'm able to pour all this love um, and, and attention and nurture to them. Um, seeing that as a blessing also that God, you know, that God knows that desire in my heart and, and how I was built to give and all the love that I have to give. And so God has surrounded me by, with all these friends and all these people with all these amazing kids that I can love on. So um, I guess just switching my perspective has helped. It, um, and Anthony, um, obviously you were, you're, you're going through this with Jimara. How do you deal with it on a personal level, but also, you know, me being a husband myself, like, seeing your wife going through emotional grief also brings a burden on yourself, you know, being the husband, being the head of the household. So how do you get deal with that double burden of like you personally yourself and also knowing that, man, my wife is going through this and God, like, I want to make sure she's okay. and She's happy. How do you, de- how did you, you currently dealing with it? How are you dealing with it? Um, I would say what happens in my mind is, you know, God has already used people to prophesy to let us know that it's going to happen. So it's just reminding myself that if he said something, he has to, he has to fulfill it because if not, he's a liar and he can't lie. The Bible says so. It's just reminding myself of that. It's like he said it's going to happen. So we just have to wait for it to happen. We have to remember that he, he shows us the end of the thing, but he doesn't tell us how long we're, we're going to go through it. The obstacles are going to be in the way. So that's just how I see it. I just have to remind myself, he said it's going to happen. So we just have to be patient. We just have to wait. And when he's ready for it to happen, it's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I battle with myself like, gosh, this is so annoying. Why haven't you done it already? My wife is, you know, struggling through it and, you know, obviously myself as well. So it's like, you know, sometimes you fight with God. Do you ever, uh, do you guys ever worry um, that the people that prayed for you were doing it out of, because a lot of times this happens where like they know there's a problem 
and like somehow always they're like calling you out and stuff like that because they know it's something you really want and then end up just praying out of like because they love you they care for you they just want to pray over you do you guys ever worry that it was it's you know those prayers are that and it wasn't really like god speaking well there's there's been instances where people that don't know us told us so once i have once i have an example of that then i don't care about the rest like yeah you can pray for me a hundred times it doesn't matter but because there's been people that don't know us and don't know if we have kids or not, and they prophesied that over it, then I'm like, okay, I know it's God. It's not just... Okay. So. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. To, to I have a little bit of a different perspective, I guess. I mean, I obviously, I 100% know God can do whatever he wants to do. But I, I'm not... I'm not the type to dwell too much on what people tell me, just because I know that you know, even the people with best intentions, or even maybe that someone that doesn't know me, just the fact that they see me and my husband by ourselves, they could just, you know, deduce. They could, pick, they could take it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, that, that's why I, like I say, I, I, God doesn't owe me anything. And it could be that I never have a child. Um, I, I know that there's fostering. I know that there's adoption. And so if, if I wanted to have a kid, that there's avenues. So, you know, I'm not dwelling too much on like, Lord, someone told me, so it has to happen. I think I've gotten to the place where I'm like, you know, it, it might not happen and that's okay. Like there's so many people that, that I know that they, you know, they passed away and, and they never had a kid. And like, that's just, you know, that's their story. And, and that could be my story or it could not. So I don't, I don't tend to dwell too much on, on what other people say. And that's what is, that's what's so important what you said. Uh, the first time you were talking about it is God, we have to remember God doesn't owe us anything. So what if it is his will for us not to have kids? Then that's just, then we have to remind ourselves, okay, so that's just giving me, giving us more time, more flexibility to do stuff for his kingdom. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would have never been able to do all this with, uh, probably not with a kid. I mean, you know, I, it's it's stuff like that that I think about. And, and we had a conversation recently about, you know, what what if this idea that we had, we, we thought it was a baby, but it really wasn't. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was. Like your kid was meant to be, well, your kid wasn't a physical kid, but it could be something yeah, else. Yeah. An analogy for yeah, because yeah, we, we, we even have like names and, and you know, sometimes we, we talk, we, you know, when the name comes up in a TV, we both look at each other like we, we you know, but but I was telling Anthony, you know, it's like maybe, you know, maybe that kid was meant to be uh, one of the kids in one of my stories. Like, you know, that may, it, it doesn't I, I keep saying it. He doesn't owe us anything. It, it, and it could it could be that maybe all this time I were thinking it's one thing and maybe it's other. Or maybe, you know, in a couple of months, I say I'm pregnant. Like, who knows? Yeah. Now, would you guys say, like, let's say you guys went the adoption route or someone that's in the same situations thinking of ad- ad- adoption, let's just, I mean, kind of to, you know, apply it to the community. Would you guys say that's lack of faith? Like, for example, one of the examples we would say of this is Abraham, where he went uh, ahead of the game to kind of resolve. I, I know Anthony you would just say. No other woman. Let me tell you something. <laughs> do you, do you, would you? I was just about to get into that. So it's funny that you. Okay. So do you, well, 
taking away what you think about that situation, if it was God in that in that situation, obviously there was a lot of things that happened after that. But let's just say in general, do you think you it's you stepping in if you would adopt where like you're you know, you're taking your your blessing in your own hand and you have lack of faith? Or do you think that's that's okay as well? Like what would you guys say on that situation? Jimada, well, go with you first. Well well he, he said he wanted to talk about okay, it. Go ahead, go ahead, Andy. Okay, so first of all if God said you're gonna have a baby, that's then it's gonna happen. And that doesn't that still doesn't mean you can't adopt. You can also adopt and still have a baby. Like he, he unless he says you're gonna have a baby, I don't want you to adopt. <laughs> but you know, adoption is you know, it's a blessing to that kid. So now if you now you know, it depends on the intention of your heart. If you're doing it because he told you and it's taking too, too long. So your, your lack of faith. So, you know, so you, not, you would say having a kid is specifically having a kid and, and not adopting. No, no, no. What I'm saying is if he's telling you, you're going to bear a child. Okay. Okay. And, okay, I get what and saying, you no. adopt because you haven't seen it yet. So it's because of your unbelief. Then you have to take that up with God. But it, if you want to adopt a kid and still have a kid, like, you know, I don't see that. I don't see that as wrong. And then to go to the whole Abraham thing. First of all, God told Abraham he was going to have a kid. And it was Sarah's idea to, to do that. Second of all, we have to remember the seed comes from the man. So the baby's in the man. He gives it to the woman. Incubation. So the baby's technically comes from the man. We have the sperm. The sperm is the actual baby itself. So, technically, Ishmael was in inside of him always. So, all right. My opinion is that that was meant to happen. God knew that was going to happen. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, and then take it. Yeah, obviously, there's a much bigger story yeah, yeah. on that situation. It's very unique. Yeah. But to to back up my boy Abraham, remember Ishmael, Ishmael, Abram had Ishmael. Abraham. Remember his name changed, so technically it wasn't Abraham who had Ishmael. But that's a whole that's a whole another thing. That's a whole different but podcast episode. To answer the question, <laughs> if you're adopting a child because you're losing faith in what God said, then you're gonna have to take that up with him. But you know, adoption doesn't I, cancel the fact that God said you're gonna have the baby. I don't I don't necessarily think there's a, there's a scenario where we were called to care for the orphans and the widows. So I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that there's a scenario where adoption would be, you know, I think, I think we are called to when we can, you know, to, to, to help. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see it as not having faith. Um, I just see it as doing what the word commands us. No, that, that, that's fine. And what it's a, a question also reflects and hits with me because um, Zane's already two and a half. So already people are you know, already asking, well, you know, when's baby number two coming, all that stuff. And one of the things I'm, I mean, I, since she's been born and like, I kind of just feel like me, myself, personally, this is a personal opinion of mine that I would feel guilty having another kid when there's so many other kids out there that need love. Like, why do I need to have another physical kid? like get the boy and all this stuff when there's so many other kids out there that need the love, desire the love. And we'd be equipped to maintain a, uh, to have another kid. Like, 
so that's that's something that i've been also de- dealing with personally myself where like is it selfish of me to be like oh i want my own kid or i want the boy myself versus showing like you said playing your part as a christian to to care for the orphans as we are all called to do and i think it's one of those things where it becomes a vanidad or even a pride i mean a, a vanity situation or a pride situation where like adoption is not really my kid or adop- and many people look at it like that yeah. where i think that's why adoption is something where it's not looked on you know uh, 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 it's frowned upon a lot when you're thinking about expanding your family but i think it's important what you said yamada that there is a massive calling for christians to take care of the widows and the orphans to take care of the poor and we don't look at it many times like you especially in this uh, culture where everyone's meant left to their own and kind of it's it's pushed to the side if you're not part of your immediate family yeah and i again this is another issue where personal preference i mean you know it's not it's you, you're not no one is is holier for adopting or you know like yeah, yeah no yeah it's a per- personal preference and and if if um, and I think it's, I think that the, what you just described, I think that's beautiful. Um, so I, I definitely, um, I definitely think that's, that's wonderful. I, I think what Anthony always kind of always brings us up, the tension of the heart, which we can never see is what's important. Yes. Are you, cause you could adopt something good and do it out of bragging rights. Like, Oh, yeah. like I've more holy vice versa you know, especially with, um, especially within our community of Spanish, like guys always want that boy. Like I want my boy. So they'll keep popping out kids to have and people to have like 12 kids just to try to get the boy. And that is vanity as well. And that is, that is pride. And that is, and the attentions of your heart is not done right. Even though God's creation is God of creation, you're blessed with another kid. Um, God always turns everything, you know, anything negative to a positive, but there are situations where things that are done should be good and are, are naturally blessings could turn and retroactively because of your intentions, because of your heart be, be something that's bad and something that's wrong. So, and, and, and yeah. Uh, and we have to remember that the Bible says that the children are his heirs. They're a gift from him, reward of him. So technically, even if we do birth them, they're not ours, they're his heirs. So, we're just here to steward them in his path. He gave them to us for a weekend. Yeah. So it's it's still even if we birth it, it's still not our baby. It's God. So Yeah, I mean it's it's a big challenge um when you, you when you join the community of Christ because your blood family is just as equal as everyone mm-hmm. everyone else in, in, in the body of Christ, where your mom is not more important than someone else's mom, you know. Uh, my wife is not more important than any anyone like everyone becomes just as important in the body of Christ where that's a big challenge and, and it's a, a big challenge um, especially in, again in this in, in America where your fam your interwoven family is so important where that is like your 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 church that is your body of Christ where it's obviously a big separation for what the Bible teaches it, it teaches in, in, in that um, I kind of want to wrap up in uh, one more point, Jimada, with you. Um, and uh, it's what do you? I mean, obviously, we agree on this, so this is where <laughs> I might ruffle some feathers, though. Um, but I mean, obviously, it's um, conversation. Something is important to have is as society continues to progress and have as women rights, women rights 
continue to progress in the family um, within the society. How do you mitigate you you personally? Because um, I know you have a particular view, a biblical wife versus what an independent you know woman and, and uh, an empowered woman is shown now as as of value. How do you balance that? Um, experiencing a culture that is very progressive towards women and versus the Bible many times could challenge that progressiveness. Yeah. So um, Anthony and I like to listen to a preacher and I love, I love how when he's talking about um, women and men and just our roles in general and, and what we should be, he always says, um, you know, when you get like, when you get a new appliance, um, you don't, you know, you don't ask someone how it works or what, what, how to assemble it. You go to the manual because you need to know, you know, you go to the, 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 the company that created it and you find out what is it, how is this supposed to function? Or we should. How is it supposed to Some yeah. people don't. So, <laughs> so, um, so I think we just, we have to go to the Bible and, and I think that, um, we just, we have to go to the Bible and, and kind of see what, what, what is established there and form our, our view from, from what the scripture says. And I think that it, it's, it's hard because I think a lot of it is at least what I've found for myself is a lot of the things, a lot of the ways that I view what, how I should act and how I should be as a woman and even as a wife. Um, I, you know, I was informed from what I learned from my mom, what I saw from my mom, what I saw from my grandma, what I, you know, what I saw from the women in my church. I think that was, that, that was also, um, um, which I'm not necessarily saying that it was always positive. Um, and so I, again, this goes back to, it's so important. I don't think in churches we give enough, uh, attention to going back to the basics and just you know, giving, speaking to the woman and, 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 and having Bible studies. And like, this is, this is what, what being a woman should look like. Like, this is what being a wife should look like. And, um, I don't think we do that enough. And I think that's why we've had, we have so much confusion and, and why so much of the world's worldviews are, are seeping into our churches where women feel, you know, like they have the, you know, we, we see these conferences empowerment for women and i'm yeah you know, I, I don't know you know like i'm not i'm not too big yeah. on that <laughs> at all and not because i don't think that we that we have any power or that we have any value just because it's it's just it, it's 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 world worldviews secular worldviews seeping into the church and i think that because we don't spend enough time speaking about these things that women are just not informed yeah i think one of the things I say, it's not only a danger for, for women, but a danger across the board and why we see many challenges of is is the fact without the Lord, we all naturally want to seek value. I want to f feel 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 positioned. And when you don't have the Lord, you try you you need to find value in either your possessions, either your position or what you do or your role. And what many times happens is when you don't really see the world you, if you if you don't see your value strictly only in God, then your position becomes a problem. And I think that's where the challenge is we, between uh, you know gender roles and things like that, where a man's duty in the in the household in in the body of Christ or in any in any role is not his value isn't on 
his career. It isn't on what he does in the household. It isn't on that. It's not if he's a pastor or a janitor. It's strictly only because he's a son of God. Similar with women. You know, you, it, you know, being a housewife doesn't make you less value because your only value is dri driven from being a son or a daughter for Christ. So I think what challenges people is because, like, it, they don't fully give their value or they don't truly find their full value only in the body of Christ. They find it in their race. They find it in their gender. They find it in their position, uh, uh, social, uh, social economical status. So it's, they find it in third party things, which draws challenges because then you, then that's where human nature comes into what's better, what's worse, what's, what gives me more value, what gives me less value. And when you look at it in the world, you're always gonna, you're always gonna have that challenge. So I think, it's one of those things where you find peace in yourself, in the value of the Lord, and it makes it easier to follow those rules and follow the manual because, like you said, the, the Lord doesn't owe us anything. The Lord's given us everything already. Everything else is just addition, addition to that. Um, Anthony, uh, what, anything you would say to that? Yeah, uh, let's be honest. Women's supposed to be in the kitchen, and that's it. Like, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Cancel. <laughs> YouTube canceled it. <laughs> so, just to go against that, the in the old times and even like the tribes that exist now and stuff, the men were the ones that cooked. They hunted and they cooked whatever. They, so, this whole women need to be cooking and cleaning is that's just dumb. First of all, yeah, that preacher that she was talking about, and in, in one of them what was interesting. He said that somebody told him. In order to, to pick up this table, I need somebody to help me. But that person needs to be either just as strong or stronger to help me. If not, if they're weaker, they're, I'm still lifting up the table by myself pretty much. So that's what we have to remember. Value, the men and women are equally valued. God values them the same. There's just different positions and jobs and, and things that the man was created for and the woman was built for. A man can't have a child. Only a woman can. The man carries the the seed. A woman can't. So it's just different roles. That doesn't mean one is lesser than the other or one is higher than the other. We're equal. We're all creations of God. We're all children of God. But, you know, the marriage creates different dynamics for different things that they have to do. And then we also have to remember, this goes into not only this topic specifically, but the gospel in general. The gospel is about the kingdom of God and a royal family. Now, just like we have to follow the laws of our government here, the United States government, we have to follow the speed limit, we have to do all the things that our country us as citizens tell us that we have to abide by. We are part of the kingdom of God. And just like any other government, it has rules, regulations that we have to follow. So we just have to, like my wife said before, we have to go to the book. What does, what does our, the Bible, which is our government's document, is the constitution of God's kingdom. What does the constitution of God's kingdom, the Bible say that men and women yeah i think uh it's it's one of those things where in many times the church's 
reactiveness instead of proactiveness to many things has caused a such a compounding effect where you know, I spoke about this one time, um, like financially, like because we're so deep in certain points, we can't retroactively just like leave our job for ministry because we compoundedly like lived off we have our means. We got all these things that we shouldn't have got. And now we can't really it, truly like go into missions because we have all these other responsibilities. Uh-huh. I think because of the church's reactiveness to so many different laws and not, you know, and the church is us. So we're the ones, you know, we're, we're imperfect. We're going to do things wrong. It naturally ends up being a compounding effect. And it's just where we have to be moving towards a more proactive. And I think that's why it's important. And, and I'm excited to have you, Jamada, is that if we get our many times, you know, at a certain age, we're like, oh, we're, our generation's lost. Um, but if but one of the things I, I, I excited, especially with having my little uh, uh, my own little one, is that we could really create a culture and foundation and a massive change if we get our generation. And that's why you see this in any culture or any movement. You try to get the kids at a young age because if they believe from a young age, they're going to eventually be taken to leadership. It's easier to convince a, a young person. So I think having those books and, and, and really providing more and more resources that allows, that allows a, us to, to in, equip our kids to understand what the gospel really means. Yes. And where I, I, I always think our generation is that transition generation where we experience the, the strictness and, the, and uh, the fire brimstone experience of what church was. And we're also experiencing the, the, the super loving and grace experience of church. And we have the opportunity to mix both of them and, and plant those and pass that along both lessons to our kids. So we make sure we're really we're showing love, God's grace, but we're also understanding the good, the good things that were from the past church, which is God's holiness, God's sovereignty and God's reference that we need to respect as well. So I encourage everyone if you have little ones or even if you don't have little ones find ways to invest in our future generation which is going to allow us to be able to have a more equipped a more stronger church and a more church that reflects god's love um anthony anything you would uh kind of wrap in uh, last words for yourself yeah i mean like you just said children are the future you have to invest invest in them because it it goes back to the same subject of racism Children aren't born racist. That's us as adults. We put that on them and then they become racism, racist. And it's really hard to change an adult who's been prejudiced against anybody or anything, you know, cause that's. They, yeah, exactly. So yeah. we have to change our young ones, like you said, and they will ascend to something higher than and and I would I would push back on that, and I would say, um, <laughs> and I would say, children are are now are present. I I'm such a huge believer in, um, and in in my books you can see that I I always have a, a portion where it says share it. Now that you've learned something, share it. I I 100% believe that kids have the capacity to be able to do it, make an impact today, right now. They can with what they've learned. They can share it with their friends. They can share it with, they can encourage their own parents when they see them um, fighting or, or struggling or crying. Like they, you know, kids, again, we, like let's not underestimate what, you know, kids, what kids can, what God can do through kids. 
So, um, so I think I think they they are 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 present, and so that's why it's so important for us to um, to give them resources, to sit down with them. So important, you know. I think I I know that you know sometimes we, we work all day, and it's it's really annoying to think now I have to sit down and you know you know I I just want to watch a Netflix show or I just want to relax because I've been working all day, and I think that that having pride in in laying down your life for your child. Um, I, I saw a post from someone recently. I know we're trying to wrap up. This is, this is the end, but it's okay. um, I, I saw a post from someone recently that his mom passed away. Um, and I think he was a, like a worship, Christian worshiper, famous on Instagram. And he said, you know, I admire my mom so much because she truly, she could have done so many things with her life, but she laid down her life for her children to raise us. And for me reading that, that was like so inspiring. The fact that a kid could recognize my parent could have done whatever they want. And she probably did do many things, but the most important thing he remembered is my mom laid down her life um, to raise me, to disciple me. And I am who I am today, thanks to God and her. So I think, I think we need to see it less, less focus on how an inconvenient it could be or how in the way of other stuff we want to do and just taking pride in like, I'm laying down my life for my kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a calling and a blessing at the same time. It, it, it requires sacrifice, but it also is a blessing to, to see your, to see your little, little ones experience. And so, something, something um, so, that just came to me literally right now for the adoption topic we spoke about. Remember, God gave his only begotten son to rescue adopted children. That's how important adoption yeah. is. But, and, and I want to say, because we've been talking, you know, we don't have any kids of our own, but we do have a wonderful 15-year-old that God has blessed us with. Yeah, yeah. Through, through fostering, because um, we, in December, became his um, legal permanent legal guardian. So God has blessed us um, immensely with a wonderful 15 year old. And we're, we kind of skipped those adorable baby stages and we went right into teenage years, but uh, <laughs> God, God is helping us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, Jimada, um, if, if God and Anthony allows you to come back, <laughs> um, <laughs> we need one, we need to get your wife on here. Oh, I don't know about that. Yes. Um, so yeah, but, um, thank you for coming on. There's so much more uh, we can speak about. Um, if, uh, one thing I just want to give you a shout out, a uh, free promotion, you could find her books on Amazon. Um, what would they search to find you? Like what would, what would be on the, on the search? If they search my name, Jimara Osorio, they'll, they'll find my author page and all my books are linked there. Okay. Jimara Osorio, it'll obviously be tagged on, on the, in the description box. So feel free to research, um, research her and, um, and again, my, can sorry, and social media, Sprinkle of Joy with Jamara. Right, sprinkle of Joy with, with Jamara, Jamara, uh, as, as she says. <laughs> um, so community, as, as we say, um, feel free to engage, leave comments. Um, we don't know all the answers, but we know as a body of Christ, if we come together, we'll be able to understand the Lord a little better. Have a wonderful, um, wonderful night, um, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me.